Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. We have Tomas Senek, who is here from the White Dog Cafe. He is the director of operations for Fearless Restaurants, which White Dog is one of the restaurants that Fearless Restaurants runs. So, Tomas, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So, um, recently, you guys actually celebrated a big milestone and I was I was there. I think I saw you there, too, I, but we didn't have a chance really to, to talk. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners what you guys celebrated and, you know, where White Dog was established, your who actually who established White Dog and, you know, some of some of the milestones along the way that, you know, that Judy has has implemented and that Marty continued on. Um. So White Dog is, is truly, I think, at this point, an institution in, um, in you know, the University City campus. We celebrated our 40th anniversary, which uh, I think for any business is a, is a huge milestone and even more so for a restaurant. Um, as many um, Philadelphia residents know, uh, White Dog started off as, as a little muffin shop, uh, originally founded by Judy Wicks. And throughout the 40 years grew out to, or grew up to be a, a, a really an institution in, in not just Philly, but now in in the suburban uh, locations as well, where we opened uh, additional spots in Wayne, Haverford, Dillon Mills. And um, as some of you might know, we're um, in the process of building one out in Chester Spring. So um, Judy certainly, um, she was a visionary because um, the fundamentals behind White Dog, I think, are values that we can all support. Um, it is a restaurant that is, um, you know, practicing sustainable business practices, obviously using earth-friendly chemicals. And, and that approach was not typical, or certainly not as typical uh, in 1983 when, when, when she opened uh, than it is now. So, and when we, when we purchased the brand in 2009, we immediately fell in love with with the concept, and um, and we we really felt responsible to ensure that this brand can grow because of all the fundamentals and values that it, it represented. And uh, here we are, um, thirteen years later now, looking to open our, our fifth white dog, and um, and we're grateful for all the support that the community has um, given us. So it's been an interesting ride, no question, especially between sprinkle a little COVID in there and. And the potential recession coming this year or whatever might happen. Well, Chef, I first of all, congratulations on your anniversary. And I, you know, I love the the way you presented the introduction to White Dog and, you know, calling it an institution in Philadelphia. I'd like to say it's probably an institution in the restaurant industry uh, for what Judy did. She came about at the time with Stephen Postis was coming around with Frog and, you know, we had so many great chefs and the people who've come through there. She's been a cornerstone and White Dog has been a cornerstone for, you know, 40 years of my culinary career in the city of Philadelphia and and a place to celebrate, a place that was always setting trends and, 
and you know to see fearless come in and continue that it's always one of the biggest fears that anybody has who is a restaurant person you know when when you come in and you have you know a corporation or a restaurant company come in and and I will say that fearless really held true to the dynamics and the principles that Judy laid forth and you know so many things through the years always a very cutting edge and and the changes it made so that that means a lot to us and and the your fearless restaurants is continuing to uphold those values on a day-to-day basis where you really are not putting the dollar before the decisions. You know, you're making decisions that sometimes, you know, are not necessarily the the best way to go from a bottom line point of view, but you're doing that for the betterment of society, the world, the restaurant industry, everything like that. So I wanted to point out that, you know, you were very humble in your introduction there. And uh, just to thank you and congratulations. Well, um, thank you for the kind words. And, and, I, and I absolutely agree with you. I think profitability and sales are the byproduct of um, really creating a, a consistent experience day in, day out. And I think anybody who ran a restaurant uh, understands how difficult that can be, considering some of the external uh, impacts that you have little control of. Let it be inflation, let it be labor shortage. Um, and and um, it's been, you know, it's it's not that it's been easy, but to your point, it, at the end, it all, it all makes it worth it because the, the people that you surround yourself with that share your fundamentals and your values and believe in the brand um, see the, the bigger picture. So hopefully this um, everybody sees the, the, the value and not just white dog, but any business that you run, and you run it based on, you know, What's what are good decisions for your employees and what are good decisions for your, for your customers and still be sustainable and that's a difficult balance to, to maintain, without a doubt. And and not only maintain but you know grow. You've shown consistent growth since you've taken over, and and continue to do that. And having eaten in some of your other locations and and I go back you know four years. I I was you know at White Dog the year they opened and. Um, you know, to watch over the years while you expanded, you didn't lose quality. You didn't cut corners. You you kept the same, you know, food quality, the same, you know, creativity and, and the same, you know, principles and, and you know, so different that, than most, you know, companies coming in. And I've gone through a lot of restaurant corporations in my life and, you know, I, I have to really tip my hat to your drive and and you know the the corporation's drive in, in doing that so you know it's it's a wonderful thing when you continue to, to carry on that mission and i think the same business philosophy was translated into other brands that we um operate um we do have um, louis louis which is just a corner uh, away from like dog um, university city and there's a different concept but but many of the practices are the same. Same is true for autograph or Rosalie out in Wayne. Um, same for Shulu. We use a lot of the same farmers and, and, and sources of our produce and, and proteins. And uh, it, um, it was it was really wonderful to see that some of the some of the um, suppliers that we use had the ability to, to grow with us. And uh, let it be you know Stout's beer or 
Green Meadow Farm. And it's it's uh, really a wonderful um, experience for us and the people that that work with us. And uh, I think same is true for our staff. Obviously, I've been with, um, with Marty for 17 years now, coming up on 18 and uh, on March 15. And uh, it's a wonderful journey. Can you point out to some of our listeners uh, what some of those key fundamentals in in vendor selection, in you know product selection, and obviously in sustainability, but go into a little bit more detail about you know what makes your um, you know your group of restaurants and and your principles so special today. Um, I think you touched on it um, just a couple of minutes ago, Gene. Is that um, to me you can't create a really unique. Or enjoyable cuisine without starting with the right ingredients. So the quality of the ingredients certainly plays a very important role. And now, especially with the sort of you know eat local movement that has really gained a lot of traction in the last uh, decade, uh, it's important for us to support and, and, and funnel the, our resources back into the community that we live in. And I think it's true for anybody who goes to the farmer's market and, and buys produce from a, a local farmer uh, because you know where your food's coming from. When you meet your farmers and you go out to their, their farm, and you see how they live. It creates this really emotional bond knowing how your ingredients are, are nurtured and, and raised when it comes to you know livestock, how the animals are treated. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said about the personal relationship, um, coupled with obviously the, the quality of the ingredients. But we all understand that purchasing small scale items always come at a higher cost, but it's a good investment because um, the quality is certainly there. You know where the money is going. It's like buying a lemonade from your neighbor's kid. You know exactly where the money is going. And I think that just makes you feel really good um, about yourself as well as about the people that you do in business with. And I think that's the true fundamentals of hospitality. It's not just about, you know, what you're receiving, but also what you're giving. And I think that's what um, really builds a community. And and I've been very fortunate to be part of that, uh, which is one of the reasons I, I fell in love with the concept and, and the idea of, of how um, to function as a community and rely on one another uh, from the beginning to the end of the process of, of growing something, cooking something, consuming something, selling it. So, um, so it's a it's a wonderful circle. I know that one of the um, things that Judy Wicks, when she sold the business to to Marty, um, that she signed almost like a social contract that kind of guaranteed that he would right. continue on <laughs> continue on um, her pathway. That she, you know, because she was a trend center, she did kind of spearhead the the farm to table um initiative and you know before it was a thing and you know so it was important to her when you know she handed over the business that the person that was taking on that role continued on that you know line and that every nuance of the food like you had mentioned there's a respect for where it comes from and where it's grown and also you know when it's on the grill or being cooked you know having respect for the the animal and the the vegetables the produce and you know producing something that's not just flavorful but also you know 
holding in the juices and, you know, so they don't smash the burger. They they put it on and they, you know, it's a, what is it, a double a double burger? And, you know, they, they make sure that the juices are all contained within. And so um, I thought that was, you know, an interesting little factoid too. No, no question. It's the first, um, I think, first business that we ran where a social contract was probably longer than a sale agreement. And... <laughs> And it was it was really um, I think an amazing way to ensure that her legacy uh, remains. Um, to what you mentioned, it was it was really spelled out to the, to the last detail, in a very careful and and very particular manner in order to ensure that we continued the business um, the, the way she envisioned it. And I have to say, I think it was a brilliant approach, and and it is really I think it, it really ensured that White Dog grew to be the business that it is now because uh, because I think with those details and, and with those building blocks, we were able to grow it into the organization it is now. And obviously, um, not just White Dog, I can't just look at our business as White Dogs only, but, but certainly it was a very important piece of that for us to learn how to run um, a sustainable business that has wonderful fundamentals and that social contract is an important piece of that. Exactly. Now, <clears throat> given that we are a food show, and I mean, if you're watching on uh, YouTube right now, you can see that we're eating while we're um, interviewing you. So we love to eat. So why don't you go over with us some of the menu items that, um, that you know, White Dog offers inside the restaurant? Okay. Well, I didn't realize I'm going to be tested on my menu knowledge, but let, let, me, let me give it a try. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to the menus between the stores, um, the concept behind the, the, the different location was we didn't want to appear as a chain. We didn't want to function as a chain. So the, so the idea was that just because you went to one, you haven't been to all. So the menus are different in, I would say, probably about 60% or, or 70% um, in themselves. And certain popular items overlap that we refer to as staples um, in, in the white dog legacy. One of them being a can of square mushrooms, which is you know made out of seven different mushrooms, a little bit of cream, a little bit of you know honey, uh, carrots, garlic. Yeah, it's all sort of um, robocooled together in the morning by our our chef de party, and it's one of the most wholesome meals that I think of on any cold, rainy day like today. And you will see me sneak into the kitchen and just pour myself a couple mushroom soup and, and sip it along for uh, you know ten, twenty minutes because of of how delicious it is and how it sort of warms your soul. The other staple is obviously our um, uh, lamb bolognese, which has been on the menu, I think, for you know, 27, 30 years, if not longer. And it's a lamb bolognese ragu with basil with ricotta, shaved grana padano and rigatelli uh, noodles. It's a very simple dish, yet it's one of our highest sellers because it's so wholesome, it's delicious, rich, and uh, summer or winter, it's it's a it's a it's a very easy go to. And then I think our biggest seller, um, which, um, we didn't expect, I think initially, is our double cheddar burger. Hmm. And and without sounding biased, I will say this: I it's 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 rare that you're going to see me have a burger um, because obviously we're trying to eat healthy and uh, lose weight and all that good stuff. But if I ever decide to have a burger, it's going to be at one of the white things because 
it is a, a pretty response, obviously, you know, your, your, uh, your side tomato, um, a grilled red onion, which I, I love, two different cheddars, um, Vermont um, and uh, Pennsylvania Noble Cheddar. Um, we have this wonderful bacon mayo with the chive, and uh, you have this medium red burger that is just fantastic. Um, Serve with truffle fries. So it's, it's certainly my uh, my treat uh, from time to time. And and I could spend probably all day talking about all the, the menu items, but those are the three that every time I, I think of the white dog, uh, those are the things that that I that I think of. Like, mm, you know what this 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 item has been our, our staple. Um, and I think the other thing that people um, enjoy frequently, which was a which was a unique thing for me coming from Europe, uh, fried pickles. <laughs> and um, we don't do that in Europe. And, and initially, I was a little, um, maybe not not so sure if that to work. Uh, but as soon as as soon as I tasted the acidity, that little bit of sourness served with uh, uh, a spicy mayo, so we just get a little bit of fat in there. Uh, it's a phenomenal app. Enjoy at the bar with a you know draft beer or whatever. And I think that's what made white dog um, really amazing is that it caters to a really wide variety of consumers. Yeah. So if you want to come in your short t-shirt, grab a drink at the bar, or grab, grab a beer at the bar and have fried pickles, you're going to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And if you want to bring in your business partner in a suit and a tie, have a nice bottle of cab and a New York strip, um, you can have that too. Yep. And everything in between. It- and I think that's what kept White Dog busy and, and relevant coupled with a lot of efforts from our chef and our operators to train our staff and make sure the facilities look great. And, and um, three years later, here we are still having our, our best years. And I think our best years are still ahead of us. <laughs> and I, I have to agree because it's absolutely dish- delicious um, every time I go to White Dog and Louie Louie. And, you know, I it, we're having so much fun that we're actually running out of time. And I want to make <laughs> sure that we plug that you have, you know, your Chester Springs location that will be o- opening soon. So w- do you know exactly, can you announce where where exactly that, that will be and when that'll happen? Uh, the the, the uh, location is the old Vickers Tavern. And, and I'm so sorry, I don't have the address. Um, my heart, but Google will, will tell you. Because Google tells you everything. As far as opening date, it's very difficult to nail down a hard date, um, especially now between supply chain um, uh, challenges and just how detailed and, and, and multidimensional our build-outs are. Anybody who's been to one of our stores can hopefully agree. So if we're looking to, to, um, to time it somewhere at the end of this year, uh, maybe beginning of next year. So uh, it's roughly a, a 12-month window. Okay. I look forward to it. In our last 30 seconds that we have with you, can you just, where can we find you online? Uh, fearless, um, um, fearless.com, White Dog, obviously. And um, Open Table is probably the, the main source of our um, reservations. And, um, um, you know, hopefully uh, we see any of your listeners um, uh, store site. I hope so, too, because we love you and we hope that, you know, they'll visit because they'll fall in love with you, too. 
So. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you for joining us. Thank on, you. <laughs> on Food Perfect. Farms Thanks Chef. again. All right. Talk to you in a little bit. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during drive time radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am so thankful that um, our next guest was able to join us. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but Melissa Fernando, you have joined us from your house and you own uh, Shree's Company, which is a very flavorful um, cuisine to, to offer our up. So how did you get started in this business? Uh, sure. Thank you, um, Emrys. I, um, I want to start off with thanking you for having me and giving me this opportunity. Um, so yes, the name of the company is Sri Company, and I cook and serve Sri Lankan food. Um, I sort of operate as a pop-up concept and um, sort of go to different neighborhoods and different uh, pop-up venues that would have me. Um, I think it started as a concept right before COVID. So, I mean, I, uh, I, full disclosure, I have a full-time day job, um, and I really wanted to bring Sri Lankan food into, you know, sort of the Philly food scene. Um, and I wanted to obviously start on a smaller scale and see how things were. And at that point, um, I think that's when the, I'm talking maybe early 2019, um, that's when, you know, the pop-up food scene was sort of, you know, popping up for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> and silly and, uh, just more restaurants, breweries were open to that concept of having a, um, outside, um, you know, caterer or food business come in and sell their food. Um, my first experience was actually at a uh, garage in Fishtown. So I sort of started doing them on weekends a couple of times a month and, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I got started. And I mean, you kind of like came in with a big bang because right off the bat, like you made an impact because it's something that, you know, everybody in Philadelphia, the food industry is kind of like booming. We're we're expressing ourselves with enjoying flavors that are not just your Italian cuisines. Um, and you brought that to the forefront by with your pop-ups um and you know not for nothing but you you've won numerous accolades and in mentions in various magazines that you know have given you like the best of philly um gave you uh the most one of the most exciting new restaurants in philadelphia right now and in 2021 and also Eater um, named you the best pop-ups, you know. So it's something that you're doing, but it's a highly successful business that you, you know, that you're spearheading. Thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate that. No, I've been I've been very fortunate, um, and I, I think Philly is a great, uh, you know, it's a great city for food. I think people are very open to trying out different um, cuisines, especially in the last ten years. I think you know, there's been more. Um, more restaurants and of all scales um, that have opened up, you know, humble businesses, pop-up options that have allowed a lot of local um, caterers and chefs and people who just like to cook and want their food represented. And um, so I've been very fortunate. Um, I've I've been doing this for a few years now and I've met a lot of uh, great folks along the way. And um, like I said, I'm appreciative to live in a city that's open-minded to try uh, foods that, you know, that I'm currently serving. 
Exactly. And, you know, and Philly is obviously opening up their arms to you because you have done pop-ups or um, actually more significantly, you did a chef in residency uh, program that was through the Philadelphia Art Museum when they, you know, began the inception of of running that. The Constellation Group um, actually contacted you and had you come in for a chef in residency uh, program. So what was that like? That was really, honestly, that that was a very cool experience. I I have to say that the the kitchen at the Museum of Art is one of the best kitchens I've worked at. They have, um, I was just amazed. I think think the the tools that were available, uh, you know, there was like, it it was just, it was an amazing experience. And I think a lot of um, the staff there were really helpful. Um, And it was, it was, I I was there twice, um, I think last year and the previous year. Um, and we just did sort of a weekend there and, um, it was, it, you know, it's a good concept, right? Because people come in, you go to the museum, you expect, um, sort of, you know, cafeteria food, which are your sandwiches, your burgers, your salads and pizza. And, um, so I think it was a great initiative by the museum and with the Constellations Group, who was wonderful to work with, um, to have this concept. And it's been, you know, there's other chefs that go in and think it's, a, it, it, if it's still the same, it's usually the first weekend in the month that they have a guest chef coming in. Um, and so I think it's a great concept and, um, yeah, it was awesome experience. And, you know, not for nothing, but you, you know, adding to your resume of fit, you know, mark remarkable places that you've actually worked for, worked with people that you've, um, you know, collaborated with. You've also collaborated with Ellen Yin and the Sisterly Love Food Fair, which I think that might have been the first time that I crossed paths with you. But I just think that's right. Yeah. yeah, just down low, um, like without you. I don't know if you actually knew I was there, but I definitely knew you were there. And, you know, because <laughs> I'm a huge lover of um, foods that are spicy, that incorporate Sherlock curries. And, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Sri food is definitely spicy. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I had uh, not not to digress, but I had dated somebody um, a while ago and they, his family was from, from Sri Lanka. And um, I remember they invited me for a family meal at some point in time and they're all sitting down and there. And I was like, OK, well, there's no cutlery. And I knew I knew like, OK, there's a chance that I might end up eating with my hands because my mm-hmm. my um, <laughs> ex at the time had pre-warned me that about that. But uh, sitting down at the table, there was zero cutlery in front of me. And then I had like his whole family wanted to meet me. So there was like 12 people sitting around and they were like, <laughs> I looked up and they after they had taught me how to eat with my hands. Um, and I looked up and every single one of them were staring at me because <laughs> you eat with your hands and not with uh, forks and knives and whatnot. So, yeah, no, that's uh, that's a huge part of our culture. I mean, I think uh, not just in uh, Sri Lanka, because I, I also grew up in South India. And, uh, you know, I think in that general area, eating with our hands is uh, is just the way we eat good food. And, you know, there are all these theories. I mean, I don't know how far they're true, but they say eating with your hands at uh sort of a special flavor to it. Um, and it's not dirt, obviously, because we wash our hands before yeah. we eat. <laughs> uh, but it is a very comforting experience. I know when I eat at home as well, uh, when I make a rice and curry meal, it's very nostalgic. It's very comforting because um, uh, I rarely get to eat that unless it's my own food. Yeah. And and I think that matters, too, because, I mean, we have Chef Gene Blum with us right now, and he's a culinary historian. And one of the things that I, um, through my research, found out is that Sri Lankan food it has 
many different influences from when the trading route used to happen. So it's influenced by Dutch and by English mm-hmm. and, you know, and Portuguese. Exactly. And so you have, you've incorporated throughout the years, all these different cuisines and col- um, cultures in your fla- like very flavorful food. So you have an abundance of things that are savory, that, you know, will, that are hearty, that will offer you something that's just going to, no matter who you are, your palate is going to be happy because there is something for everyone in, in the foods that you create. But um, I wanted to... No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great, um, it's a great segue because that is something that I actually wanted to discuss. So one, one of the unique things about Sri Lankan food is that there's so many different sub-cuisines even in Sri Lankan um, food. So there's, um, you know, there's um, Sri Lankan food is sort of, there, Sri Lankan people speak two, primarily two different languages, Tamil and Sinhalese. Um, I speak Tamil and um, I'm of Indian origin from um, a state called Tamil Nadu, which is where we speak Tamil. And um, and so Tamil cuisine in Sri Lanka is very different from Sinhalese cuisine. There's different spices that are used. They're roasted differently. Um, and then some of the sub uh, other sub cuisines that exist is uh, you know there's there's Chinese uh, cuisine. So there's Sri Lankan Chinese cuisine, uh, and we have our own little take on it. We use different spices and sauces. Um, so the, the, there's there's and then there's Malay um, Sri Lankan cuisine, which you know has different ingredients as well. Um, and and it, it it really does make the um, Sri Lankan food a very unique experience because there's so many different options for um, all kinds of you know palates. You know, you pointed out, and that's a very important thing for people to understand it. And people associate Indian food. Well, I, I went for Indian food, and you know, one of the most diverse foods that you'll get in in the world is Indian food. There, you know, so many different mm-hmm. regions, so many different styles. Um, so many different religious preferences that you know that that impact it. You know, Asian food is the same way. As we sit here, we have a, a feast surrounding us um, from <laughs> Chef Joe Poon of right. you know uh, northern and southern Chinese dumplings and foods and different things like that. So, you know, you talk about all those different cuisines, and that's so important for people to understand that. You know, you can't just go once and and think you understand the food and the cuisine. That really does go much deeper to that. And you know, there's you know so many little influences, whether it be the resources available, whether it would be you know religious preferences, whether it would be you know climate in different places. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's what you know. One of the things with your pop ups that really is important is you introduce different things to people. You're not just this is what I do. You, you, you know, you have a great deal of background, and you try to cross those different um, those those different cuisine barriers, and that's very, I think, uh, a great you know thing for the people in Philadelphia to come out to see what you're doing and try that because they'll always learn a little bit more. Right. No. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that is my intention, and you know, I try to sort of plan uh, my meal. So it's, it's, it's a little harder when you do concepts, when you do sort of fast, casual pop-up concepts. And so I think that's one of my goals for um, this year is to sort of move into uh, more dining experiences where I can actually sort of showcase those different sub-cuisines uh, within Sri Lanka. And later this year, my um, one of my main resolutions, goals for a street company is to actually go back to Sri Lanka and spend 
a whole um, month there sort of traveling and doing a whole sort of food and travel journey um, and visiting different places and, you know, just learning about the different spices and the different cooking methods. Uh, because you bring up a good point, even with Indian food, um, you know, I've lived in Philadelphia for 19 years and there was very few options actually available of good Indian food. And when you say Indian food, it's sort of a generic um, term that, you know, you so you have your common um uh, dishes like a chicken tikka masala and butter chicken and, you know, bland brogan gauche and things like that, which are all mostly from the north. And so there are very few <coughs> restaurants, and again, especially in the Philadelphia area, that actually brought in um, food from the south of India, which is very, very different. Our spices are different. Our flavors are different. Uh, we don't really use too much cream in our food. And so it's very authentic. And, um, and more recently, in the last few years, there have been a few restaurants that have opened up um, in Philly. And, um, you know, it, it really does take me back home. And I, and I think it's, as you pointed out, it's very important for people to know that there's so many different um, sort of cultures and, and influences that go into given cuisines that you, you might, that, you know, you, you, and it's important to know all of them. It is. And I mean, and every single one of them is absolutely <clears throat> delicious and brings like a different, you know, aspect to your palate. You know, you and yes, with cuisines, you can also cross, you know, cross different cultures and different methods and techniques. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, obviously, if you're going to be introducing, you know, some of these different techniques to the Philadelphia area with through uh, through your your amazing and delicious, by the way, <laughs> foods that you offer. Um, it would be wonderful because, you know, it's it's not just something that we can experience one time. We can experience it over and over again. Yes. Yes. So that is the hope. And um, I think I've, I've been, I have a few goals for this year, like I said, including, you know, sort of offering more elevated dining experiences and um, you know, food journey, just to sort of deepen my own knowledge of, you know, the different sub-cuisines that exist in Sri Lanka. Um, you know, I'm not a, a chef trained by, you know, a professional uh, chef, you know, I'm by training and I'm I'm still learning. And I think food is something that's going to be a constant journey. I mean, everything, everyone makes things differently. It's never going to taste exactly the same. But I personally want to learn more about my culture and the different um, sub-cuisines that exist. And uh, part of that travel food journey would allow me to do that. And um, speaking of moving forward, because obviously like people are probably at this point wondering, okay, when, where can I get your food? And, you know, <laughs> um, so I know that you've, uh, you've worked out of Campar Kitchen um, on several occasions in addition to, um, to doing the pop-ups and doing, you know, chef and residency programs and collaborations <laughs> and events. So where, where, where is somewhere that our listeners can, you know, find you online? And, and enjoy some of the foods that you offer? Sure, absolutely. So I think the best uh, way, honestly, is um, is Instagram and Facebook. I have accounts there. And I also have a website that's up and running um, that uh, you can sort of find where, my, where I'm going to be popping up next. Um, I did take a break the month of December. And, you know, as I mentioned, I have a day job. So I'm so, uh, sort of uh, getting back into updating everything. But um those are the best places to catch me. I usually update them a week before an event, uh, sometimes two or three if, if it's a ticketed event that you need to purchase tickets for ahead of time. Uh, but yeah, Instagram and Facebook, um, at Streets Company Philly, that's probably the best way. 
So for our listeners out there, in case if you're, you know, <laughs> if you need to uh, to know how to spell that, that's S-R-I apostrophe S company. So there's actually no apostrophe. They're all oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. No, no, that's all right. Um, so uh, for the for the actual um, Instagram and Facebook link, it's just at uh, S-R-I-S company, silly, all one word. Um, and that should reach in. So that's obviously a little play on um, Trees Company in Sri Lanka. Uh, and the reason for that is my logo includes sort of three different elements. And it's, it's just something that uh, made sense for me. Yeah, I know. I forget sometimes for uh, for handles and, and whatnot, you can't put any uh, uh, apostrophes or any. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's so temperamental. <laughs> Um, But listen, I am so grateful that you joined us on Food Firms and Chefs. And I look, yeah, and I look forward to the next event that I come across you um, because that's how we keep seeing each other. (laughs) Thanks. No, I know. And hopefully, you know, we get to have dinner sometime, uh, uh, you know, on a separate note where we're not hustling to sort of feed people and actually sit down and talk to you. Exactly. Where, yeah, in my point, yes, exactly. Where I can relax and you can relax and we can just enjoy what is in front of us. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. At this time, it's such a great honor to welcome a friend. And we were discussing before the show, a a friend of 35 years uh, of mine, one of the nation's uh, leading Asian chefs, um, a consultant, an educator, and just one of the most energetic and kindest people you'll ever want to meet. Uh, welcome to Food Farms and Chef, uh, Joseph Poon. Uh, Joe Poon, as he's known in Philadelphia. Chef, welcome. Thank you. Thank you to invite me. I really appreciate uh, you get me here. And today, I only... Big dumpling for you guys. Have fun. So Today, happy Chinese New Year. Yeah. Yes, Woo. happy Chinese New Year, everyone. Um Gong Gong Fat Toy. Gong Fat Toy, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Gong Fat Toy? I do not. Actually, Happy Chinese New Year is supposed to say in uh, Sunday in Five Lock. Okay. But not Gong Fat Toy. Gong Fat Toy is Cantonese. Make sure you make a lot of money, everybody. That's a Gong Fat Toy. That is something you talked about a lot as you brought in, and, and for our listeners who uh, are you know not able to see or if you're on our um, YouTube channel, you can watch. Uh, Chef brought a literal feast with us, and then while he was here, he decided to, uh, hey, I got a few minutes, let me make 16,000 pieces of candy. <laughs> so uh, he went and did that for us as well. Um, started with one. And he pulled it until we had 16,000 strings of candy that is just such absolutely wonderful, golden, blonde, uh, you know, just an incredible uh, candy that's very rich and and just very delicious. But we have a a feast of dumplings, and and he's holding up a piece now so you can actually see what it looks like. And, it, it, you know, from a distance, it looks like one of those little uh, gnomes golden with the hair, bad hair, hair, but it's yeah. golden hair. It's golden hair candy is what it's called. But um, so, Chef Poon, uh, you were in China this year for many, many months. You uh, were over visiting family uh, 
you know, what was that experience like? What what was, you know, what it's, did you learn while you were there? It's terrible experience because during uh, COVID-19, Hong Kong really not open for anybody. So you were stuck in the hotel, uh, first of all, 21 days. After a while, they canceled into 14 days. And I was there, I stuck in the hotel 14 days, very boring, isolated, and uh, disaster. Because I miss my wife, uh, I haven't seen her more than three years. And finally, we get out. And next time I go back there, it's seven days isolated. So everybody has to put on a mask. And everybody, a lot of restriction. And what they call, you have the, all the QR code. You don't have the QR code, you cannot go to the governor, a compound, or even to go to the restaurant. And then even though you visit the hospital, you need, you need all the QR code. It's very, very frustrating and complicated. And right now, they open completely. And uh, people still put on the mask because they are very high, high volume uh, of the uh, COVID. Uh, because uh, there's so many new uh, virus. Along uh, in, in all around in Hong Kong, and also there's so many coming in Hong Kong because since they open the China, the people come, and China have a lot of people. They don't have enough uh, tests. Those are mm-hmm. uh, uh, medication, so that's why uh, from ten thousand increased to the maybe uh, one million. So you can see, China have a big big population. And uh, really easy to uh, contaminate. Uh, they uh, try to um, go down, but still a lot of different states they co- uh, contaminate right now. So yes, a very very sad thing. Yeah. So now you're coming back into Philadelphia, and, and we just got done. Uh, welcome uh, to the New Year. In uh, the end of the month, we celebrated the Chinese New Year or last week. Um, so, Joe, what have you been doing to celebrate the New Year? I know you've been doing some consulting and all. Yes. But uh, have you been cooking any and doing some uh, some things in Chinatown as well? You don't believe that, huh? What kind of consulting? I roast 100 duck and kill 200 lobster and 400 pound barbecue pork. And I kill by myself. I roast by myself. And uh, it's, uh, I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Make sure one thing is very good. All this food delivered to Asian elderly. And then they are very good people and almost like my parents. And I don't mind I work so hard for them. And it's not the money. But I love to do something from my skill. And because I have the duck house since Sankey, 1980. And then turned the Joe Spring house, 1980 up to... 2017, I keep roasting duck. Now, I give all the secret how to roast Hong Kong duck and also secret of barbecue pork from uh, Macau. I, I stole it from the chef. And then I gave to everybody for free. Yeah! <laughs> so I will say, one of the things that I always admired about you and I, and I know every year, several times a year, you do charity events for the elderly population in Chinatown. You've very been, uh, always been a very strong advocate 
of the elderly and, and taking care of the elderly in a community that already does so. Yeah. They're, they're very active in, in taking care of that. But, um, you know, that's something that's near and dear to your heart. Um, you know, what what brought about that that passion to really do all you can for them? I confess. I confess. I stole too many things from America. When it comes to the United States, Mamma Mia. I don't know how to talk Mamma Mia. Because I went to school, I worked three jobs, I saved the money, I need to learn English. So, and then I went to upstate New York or Yonta, and they give, I don't believe, I don't believe the world to give you four free year college. And then I have no money. They give me four year free college, impossible. Even though I was in Hong Kong, they only give you scholarship. They give you 10,000. It's not four years. So by all means, Four years impossible. Don't say at least about, before you talk about at least a uh, few hundred, I think 20,000 at least. Today, more than that. So because of that, they teach me volunteer, how to help people, how to give back to people, how to work hard, and how to say, chitty chitty bang bang, boogie boogie. Now, my English is very good. Hey, yo, and then go to Chicago, give me a pop. I learned all this English from my American. That's why I want to keep give back to American, especially my community, because very simple. There's some Chinese philosophy. It's an idiom. When you're drinking a bottle of water, don't forget where you come from. That means when somebody gives you something, don't forget who raised you. I get all my education from the United States. And I have a lot of Asian elderly living in the United States. Why I'm not going back to give back to the, my community as well as the American elderly too. You're also very big on education. I know you work a lot with uh, communities and schools. You do um, your walking tours your, of Chinatown, um, which is a very popular thing. If anybody ever wants a group uh, experience, unlike anything you'll ever have, a, a tour of Chinatown with uh Chef Joseph Poon is just an amazing experience. Um, you know, you've been a big advocate of education, uh, taking kids to China, doing wonderful things throughout the year. Um, you know, where are you at now? What are you What are you doing? Um, you know, I I know you don't have the physical business that you once had, but you're still active. You know, consulting, doing things like that. So, uh, what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Uh Usually during the uh, swing time, and then the walking tour is coming back. And also, uh, I do uh, teaching in law school because uh, they use my background. How come this crazy Chinaman without money and come to this country become today? It's amazing. They use my background to motivate the kid, invite me to do demonstration, and... Uh, because I have different uh, corner skill, for example, Garman J. So using uh, fruit to make sculpture. This time I don't do sculpture, I make dumpling. And then I make all this food for my good friend. And um, so at the same time, I tell the kid, it's not only learning one thing. You keep learning different kind of thing. You got all different kind of job. You don't know who call you to work and then who asks you to help. So that's why I always ask the kid, don't only learn French. 
How about Italian? How about Galanga? Right? And all different cuisine. Even the Chinese cuisine, we have eight different cuisine. Keep learning, keep learning, and then keep improving yourself. You got more job, more opportunity, and mostly give back to the community and always humble. Don't forget where you come from. Very simple. One, th- one time I was in uh, Walton, and then I put down $100 bill. Anybody understand what I say? Within five seconds, you answer my question, $100 yours, but nobody got it. Okay, <laughs> when you're drinking a bottle of water, don't forget where you come from. Those kids, they don't know what's going on. And then when I turn around, I ask, who gave you birth? <laughs> your fa- mother, your father. The chance of their dangers is about 50% to born you. So that you make sure, make sure you understand your PC when you grow up. Love your parents. Take care of your parents. Same as I'm doing right now. Because my parents, uh, my mom, 100 year old, passed already. But I still work on the elderly. I take care of the elderly. That's what I do. You've always been a big advocate of that, and and I've learned so much about Chinatown from you. I I can walk Chinatown and understand a little bit more today about the people and what's going on there, but nothing like doing a tour with you. But as we're in the middle of the Chinese New Year, so tell us about foods that are traditional to the Chinese New Year, customs that people, as they go to Chinatown now, they may see over the next couple of weeks. What should people be eating and drinking while they're there? Uh, how do we celebrate Chinese New Year with Chinese cuisine? So basically, you can see Lofton part is different from the South. Lofton part is talking about Shanghai, uh, Beijing, Tianjin. Even though in the West, in the Sichuan, right, they, they're using a lot of, for example, Sichuan using a lot of pulu, though, mm-hmm. and also spicy. And then they were influenced to up to Tianjin and up to Beijing. They're a little bit spicy, not as spicy as the Sichuan, but they're using a lot of dumpling. For example, the last few days, the whole entire family, the youngest and the elderly, they're making dumpling to eat, 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 eat dumpling every day. So it's different from uh, middle, middle of uh, uh, China. So middle of China, different, especially on the East Coast, they have a lot of seafood. And also, they're influenced by northern China, a little bit spicy. The sauce is heavy. But go down to Canton and Guangzhou, those very light, a lot of seafood, mostly white sauce. They eat fresh, everything fresh. At the same time, they steam it. Uh, This is our uh, character of uh, southern China, Canton, Hong Kong. Love simple, light oil, light spicy, but fresh, everything fresh. That means killed by order. Even though one time I was back to Guangzhou and then I, I go to Hong Kong, I saw the alligator tied up in the tree. And then the guy, uh, owner, Joe, you like the alligator? Yes, I like it. He pulled like the alligator and cut his head off and make 10 calls for us. Amazing. This is the people, they kill and eat. This is different from the United States. You kill too much, I think I got killed by myself too. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I, I'm a big believer in eating fresh, and um, I know this is going to go over so well when I tell this story. But my <laughs> wife and and children have always wanted to have a pet pig, 
And I always said, oh, no, no, that's fine. We could have a pet pig, but in a year we have to get a new one because the old one's (laughs) going to become dinner. And um, that has discouraged them from ever getting a pet pig. But knowing from you and, and understanding how food is so much different when it's fresh, when it's just, you know, freshly killed, freshly caught, fresh out of the tank, whatever the circumstances. And, and that's you know, one of the staples of Chinese cuisine. When you go into a, uh, someone's home this time of year um, in Chinatown or, or you know, if, if they have Chinese origin, you'll see things like you came today with uh, what was called a lucky money envelope. And you'll go in and there's usually a plate of oranges or things like that. Tell us a little bit about some of those you know, cultural things that we see at New Year's. Okay. Basically, for example, right now, Chinatown, mostly uh, people from Canton and Guangzhou, uh, uh, right? The uh, traditional of food is different. Today, in Chinatown, at least, I think at least 300 roast pig order from this few restaurant. At least a couple thousand chicken order from this restaurant. Even though this morning I tried to get some chicken for you, that's uh, on the side right there, I had to wait almost half an hour. <coughs> I got to take it too. And then because everybody grabbed chicken, everybody got the pig, because this is two big items, they hardly to got it. For example, I, I just repeat, they roast more than 500 pig in Chinatown today. And also a couple thousand chicken. This is the special dishes they want so bad. They were there, 8 o'clock in the morning, live already, right, to looking for chicken and roast pig. And the other one is chicken, uh, Clinton is the uh, New Year cake. It's on the side right there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know those candy, right? Mm-hmm. And then, for example, uh, 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 sweet candy. And it's from using watermelon, the rind of the watermelon to do it. Right. And also they're using winter melon to do it. Mm. And also lotus seed and lotus root and all this, they can caramelize it and turn out a kind of lucky, lucky thing. And also the seeds, you eat the bird seeds, right? And that is when you take one, you get a couple of money in your mouth and eat and put it in your pocket. And this is the culture of Chinese. There are so many wonderful... Um Symbols that go with that, and and we were talking beforehand. Um, I I've, every year do a Chinese New Year dinner, or, or right around this time, where we take a group of people and and open it up to people, and we go for Chinese New Year. And you gave me your suggestion this year of where I do that, and the the food, the cultural influences. With you know, at a at a wedding banquet, the, when they sit down, the whole fish, the way the head faces. Uh, is a good luck for some people, not so good luck for others. You know, I mean, it, it must take a lifetime to learn all those little details. It is because uh, this is, uh, for example, when you buy chicken, don't cut the head off, don't cut the butt off. Why? Always good beginning and also good ending. So keep the whole piece, the head and the tail, all together. This is the culture of our. Uh, our our uh, Asian got to got to keep the head and keep the tail. So this is what we are today. I'm very funny. I create a demonstration a lot of uh, uh, pool candy. Usually they got dragon beer candy. I don't believe I create golden candy. You see, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't believe I'm using a cheat a little bit. I'm using black corn syrup mixed with the white flour to, to turn out golden. Look at that. It's absolutely Amazing, beautiful. Right? I, I, I loved how thin and, and it's just rich I think, and chewy. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I think three of us, we become millionaire. Golden beer candy. Yeah. So, Joe, for people who want to uh, do one of your tours in Chinatown or a, a, a dinner with you or a cooking class or or many of the other things you do, how do they find out about Go you? Go to my website. Go to my website and also uh, my text. You can text me. Uh, for example, I just got it from uh, one from Irene Baker. Mm-hmm. And then it was my, she was my uh, management uh, uh, marketing. And then she introduced to Temple. Temple have a class called To and Eat Food. So she put the teacher and come join to my uh, class. So they refer to my, go to my website, uh, com. you can find me, and then you can order from me. You will have fun, you learn a lot of culture, and then you must hungry, because street food, and also uh, Philadelphia, American food. One more thing is, General Chow Chicken, is very popular, right? But when you go over the other country, you go to China, Europe, don't ask those General Chow Chicken, no such thing. Only in USA. <laughs> many, many foods that way. That's why uh, I, you taught me, you yourself taught me uh, the background of going to a Chinese banquet and, you know, eating the food that the Chinese eat, not the food that the Americans eat. So uh, to our listeners out there, josephpoon.com yeah. um, is the website you want to go to. I will tell you, you will have no better time than a walking tour of Chinatown with best. Chef Joe Poon. Uh, Chef... As always, thank you. Uh, I cherish our friendship and and our relationship of 35-plus years. Um, go to our YouTube station, if you're already not there, to look at this amazing feast that we're partaking in. Um, and thank you from the bottom of my heart and Amherst's in the studio. Thank you for asking me to come here. I really, I really Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And you can find us online at Food Farms and Chefs. And Gene? You can find me across social media at Gene Lum or IBFoodie2. Or you can email me directly at IBFOODIE, the number two at yahoo.com. That's IBFoodie2 at yahoo.com. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And you can find me at ARPolicus or email me directly if you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor of the show at ARPolicus at gmail.com. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.